Welcome to The Sustainable Life. This is Josh Spodek with Etienne Stott. How are you doing? Yeah, man. I'm good. As always, working hard. And uh, yeah, good to see you, mate. Always good to see you. Good to see you too. And I've been looking forward to this. Now, today's going to be a little shorter. I think about half an hour. We've been talking about Extinction Rebellion. And I'm also curious, before I got started on sustainability, like being very active on it, I looked around at different organizations and I didn't go to nearly the depth of extinction that you did with Extinction Rebellion. There was also 350 and a bunch of others. And I felt like there was something missing of leadership. So I've taken a different path. I always take pains to say, I support, especially Extinction Rebellion, especially 350. I wouldn't want to stop them, but I think there's something missing that I wanted to bring in. And so I'm curious what my stuff looks like from your perspective. And if you have questions about what I do, how does it look? And do you have questions? Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose my impression, Josh, is that you do quite a lot of stuff that is like based around, this is my also, you know, just before we started this episode, you showed me a, like a one of your slides. And I'm really interested in this idea of leadership. Leadership is showing what can be done rather than telling people what to do. I think this is kind of what you are doing. Seems to me you're showing people that stuff that they don't think can be done can be done, or that it can be done with less struggle and less pain than what people might think it can be done, or that actually even better that the benefits of doing what you're doing is really clear and, and really positive. So I suppose I know, for example, you've been doing collecting litter or trash, as they call it in your neck of the woods. You know, I know you've got sort of like uh, your personal regime, and I'm not sure I know exactly what that is, but I'm quite clear. I think I think you're doing stuff around that, but also you know this stuff, this experiment you've been doing with your your battery and your energy, you know, your energy use. And so I suppose I only know some of those things. I don't know all the things that you do, but I suppose to me these all do fit into that category of leadership. I, I kind of think myself doing that as well. I'm doing. I'm trying to do this sort of leadership, which is showing people that actually we have got more power, we've got more ability to change things than perhaps people do think they do. And perhaps it's less, it's more achievable and more possible than people might imagine. And I think that's my background in sports comes from that because that's what sports does every day. It shows people what is possible and that it's more possible than people might imagine. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. But it'd be interesting to know, yeah, a little bit about what you, all the different things that you do do because I actually think it is really important that there are really visible, clear examples of what can be done. Otherwise, people perhaps don't have the time or the energy to go and do all this research and figure all the things out. They just go, oh, it's too complicated. I'm not going to do it. So I think it is really important that people kind of show and are clear and also clear about what they don't know or clear about the limitations of what they do know. And they can say, you know, I'm prepared to change if I hear something persuasive in another direction. So that's my impression of what you're doing, because I think you're very careful and seems to me very not careful, not the right word, very meticulous and thought through about what you're doing, which I think is really good because I've learned quite a bit just, you know, having our chats here and there, it's, you know, behind, behind these podcasts. So that's my, yeah, I suppose my question is, I'd be really interested to know what you're, what you're up to. Yeah, I'm glad you picked up the distinction between leadership and not leadership at, at first, because leadership, you don't need leadership if everyone knows what to do and everyone is motivated to do it. Not everyone sees a path to a future, which I do, but I didn't originally until I started acting. Of what I do, I think maybe a flaw of mine or something, I have a distinct strategy. There's two big separate things, one of which is me living by my values and the separate is leading others. 
And within leading others, there's leading individuals and there's leading communities or culture. Living by my values, I think, is absolutely essential to lead. I, I think it's impossible to lead someone else to do something that's the mm -hmm. opposite of what oneself is doing. Yes. Also, as you say in sports, it's very easy to tell someone, if someone says, I want to put on muscle, I can say, go to the gym and lift weights. Now, the challenge of lifting weights is not, I mean, there's the challenge of actually physically moving the iron away from the earth, but there's also, there's knowing what weights to lift in what order. But I think the bigger thing is then you got to figure out things like, how do you motivate yourself to go when you don't feel like going? What about how do you handle injuries? How do you handle diet? The biggest thing is how do you handle friends who say, what's the point? It's not going to make a difference. Why bother? So many people, you know, the phrase crabs in a bucket. Apparently, if you put crabs in a bucket, they'll try to climb out. But as one climbs out, the others will pull it back in again. Oh, I see. Okay. And they talk about that with people in addiction. As people try to get out, others like, no, 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 don't go out, stay back in. It's really tough to handle that. I think that the biggest challenge in leading others in something where mainstream society is much easier to just fly and drive and, and, and buy doof instead of food and, and pollute that's our culture today. So to deviate from that culture, there are the challenges of, of how you get by without, say, a car. It's a much bigger challenge to everyone telling you, yeah, but I have family over here and, and I, I can't make a living with, and if, oh, maybe you can do it, but I can't. All this crabs in a bucket talk. If I expect others to try to do something, I got to do it. Otherwise, mm -hmm. I, don't, I really don't know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't expect to learn, like if I'm going to get a coach I want someone who's done it. If I want to learn piano, I want someone who can play piano, not someone who breaks pianos. Yeah. I think interestingly, I mean, you might be able to pick up on slightly, I'm not hesitant, but one of the ways that in my kind of sphere of where I'm doing stuff, lots of activists are attacked on the basis that they are not pure enough to take a stand on something you know so it's like for example people say things like this and some people might say it's stupid but i can understand why they say it they say oh you know what are your clothes made of oh you know they're made of oil some of them are polyester or whatever you know what are your shoes made of how did you get to the protest did you come on a car did you, did you go on the train did you walk where do you know what do you all these sorts of questions. Is your home insulated? And all these things. Are you qualified enough to be able to speak out about something? This method of, and it's basically the accusation is either implicit or explicit of hypocrisy, that you can only speak out on a subject if you are at a certain level, whatever that certain level would be, then you can say you're authentic and you know congruent, I guess, or you've got that sort of credibility, I suppose. And I agree with you that you do have to have credibility to speak out on something if you're going to be persuasive, you know, and it's good to have experiences. And I, I really agree with you on that. But also we do have to accept, I, I believe, I try to make sure I accept that people are very much limited by the choices in their environment, you know, and, and they cannot necessarily. So you're very lucky, for example, living in the city, perhaps, and I don't know much about you know, New York, the, the, the systems there, but I'm guessing you can get around on public transport and it's kind of all right. But I guess I'm kind of thinking when you are, you know, someplace like in, yeah, in the UK, you, you can't rely on public transport. It's really a bit rubbish and it's super, super expensive. It was really expensive. 
So people do have to have cars. I still have a car. I use my car sometimes. I hate it, but I do have to use it. And some would say that disqualifies me if I said, you know, how did you get to the protest? How did you get all your placards here or something? How, you know, what are your banners made of? They're made of synthetic materials from oil, probably. That therefore discredits your position. It's a very cheap attack, but it also can be used in that way that really is quite... So I think you need to be authentic and you need to have credibility and and you need to walk your walk but very often the people who are attacking us say me or extinction rebellion or other activists don't have an understanding or perhaps they do or they don't express it that we need system level changes you know we can make these changes individually but as long as the fossil fuel companies are expanding their operations in the north sea in the uk or wherever they're expanding them all around they're going to find a way of selling those products to us one way or the other to make the money that they're expecting to make so that to me, I think so. You've got to hold. I do re- think you need leadership. You need authentic, true to your values, and you need. But then also you need to have an understanding that we are somehow all trapped and complicit, and it's difficult to be completely free and have a low impact. You've done incredibly well. It's made me curious to go and look at my impact. You know, and I'm I'm hoping it's good. I've made lots and lots of changes, but I'm also very much of the opinion that while the fossil fuel companies are continuing their death machine efforts. You know, they're going to find ways of marketing their stuff to us. They're going to find ways of, of keeping people wanting what they're doing because they're making tons of money at it. So there's just that, there's that little, not, you know, that little bracket for me that I just have to kind of say that. But I absolutely applaud and I think that we do need, you know, authentic leadership that's got experience and, and understandings, but not to this perfect level because then you end up someone saying, oh, you know, well, is it better to use plastic bottles or, or is it better to use glass bottles? Do they which is more? And I don't, I don't know which is. I've got. We've got to try and sort the, you know, sort the government out rather than me spending all my time researching about that stuff. Do you see what I mean? So it's a little bit of pragmatism, I suppose, in that. That's what I'm worried about. That's all. But I, I, I agree with you. I'm not making a, a claim that I'm more pure than anyone. No, no, I'm, I'm not suggesting sure the word, by the way, but I'm saying some people would. You know, yeah, they'd be like, so oh, not- that Josh, you know, he's done everything he can, and now I can listen to him. But I'm saying some people can't do that and we should still listen to them, you know? Yeah, that's not what I, I'm not saying that if someone were to say that to me, I would say, there's a couple of things I would point out. Mm-hmm. One of them is that my reason for doing it is simply living by my values. Mm-hmm. I, I don't say that it makes me more credible. I don't say that it makes me it's more- better for you. It's good for your health. It's better for my, yeah, certainly it, it tastes better. The food tastes better. The food is cheaper. The food is faster. Good for mental made. health is what I meant. It's good for you as a being, yes, to live authentically. Yeah, that as well. It, I'm happier now, but that doesn't make me more. What what it gives me the skills to lead more effectively. Mm-hmm. It's not purity, but it, another another way of looking at it is that I'm just like everybody else. Yes. I also balance my interest not to pollute with my interest to live in the world as I was raised in a world that didn't know about the situation as as, as mm-hmm. we now see yeah. it. Yeah. So. I'm living just as I'm balancing just like everybody else, except I'm polluting a lot less, which means mm-hmm. everyone can do it too. Yes. And yes. so I'm not different than anybody else. In fact, yeah. my being the same shows that it's possible for others as well. They may choose not to do it, but that's their choice. But I also point out that the balance, generally people, when they talk about balance, when they talk about not being so extreme, when they view me as extreme, now I view yeah. them as extreme, that balance tends to be the interest to not pollute or some, it's generally an abstract, like I'm supposed to do good. 
yeah. versus, but life is kind of hard and I got to take my kid to soccer practice and how else am I going to do that? But an SUV, mm. but to me, I'm also balanced, but my balance is my life versus the people on the receiving end of the pollution. Yes. When yeah. I talk to my started, I mean, it, it could be anyone, but my mom is like the person most in my life. I get to pick my dad as well, who is like this. She's like, Josh, I, I want to do like you, but I don't want to live an ascetic life because she sees me as ascetic. She sees me not as consuming. Therefore, I must be living like Buddha or yeah. something in the ascetic phase. Because when she grew up on the farm in South Dakota, there it was like hot in the summer, the mosquitoes. And now there's air conditioning and no mosquitoes. And she doesn't want to go back to that. She's like, why would I want to go back to that? And so she balances that she doesn't want to pollute, but she doesn't want, she, she still wants the air conditioning sometimes. Mm. And as long as there's someone that pollutes more than her, she can point at that person and say, and look, I'm yeah, not as yeah. bad as, as yeah. that person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But to me, now this is, here's where I think, and there's a lot of middle steps. I don't know how this is going to come out because absent the middle steps, it might sound, it might sound great into some people's ears. But to me, there were people in England in 1800 who would drink rum, molasses, and tea from plantations across an ocean. And they also didn't really know the harm mm. that was happening. And so they drank it. Why not? The empire is built on it. And slavery had been around since before history. Mm. And it wasn't really bad by the view of that time. Mm-hmm. And to me, a lot of, if I'm going to do something that pollutes just for my pleasure, and I know, I know that pollution is not going away, then it, to me, it feels like it's drinking uh, rum from plantation. Yeah, yeah, oh, well, and, absolutely. Yeah. So that's on the personal side. It it gives me the skills. It opens the door. It's necessary, but not sufficient to lead others. Mm-hmm. Separately, there's leading others. Until I first started trying to live sustainably, and it was that first experiment with uh, avoiding packaged food for a week. Mm-hmm. I had this big experience that I thought I was taking one for the team. I thought I was sacrificing because I expected what I would do wouldn't make a difference. Yeah. And I found that it improved my life, much to my surprise. Until then, my idea of leading others to pollute less was leading others to live a worse life. Actually, I would have viewed it like my mom. It would be mm. ascetic. Given the choice between living happily and everything collapsing later on, or living poorly ahead of the collapse and living as if we, like, I'd pick, let's live well and maybe something will work out later. Mm, yes yes that's kind of the model we're, we're going on right now isn't it mainstream yeah i mean various views like that but then i found out wait a minute that belief that i had was based i'd learned that i didn't have, that was based on no experience that was they told mm. me that we were serfs living working nonstop from dusk from dawn till dusk and 30 was old age and i had no idea of anything other but then i started finding like broadly speaking Broccoli tastes better than Doritos. Apples taste better than Ben and Jerry's. And I'm not just talking about food here. I'm talking Mm. about life. Yeah, yeah. Now I had something to share and I had something to share that was not in the numbers Mm. of CO2 levels or plastic amounts. It was about happiness and joy. And that was leadership that was Mm. separate from management. And no amount of telling people facts would get people to experience that feeling that I think is utterly human that before not long ago, maybe a couple generations ago, I think every human being on the planet could, with a brief walk, be in nature, mm. walking among the trees or on the beach, and there'd be no sound. I don't know if you can hear it, but there was like this nonstop noise outside my apartment. No. And that can't be healthy. So now we live in a time when 
people don't know what they're missing. I mean, there's mm. billions of people who were born in favelas and slums and, and, uh, and have no access to nature or mm. cleanliness. Yeah, yeah. And actually, m- many people who live in rich places also are isolated. So they don't. So, okay. So, leading others. So, I, found, I developed this technique, which you've experienced, which is to walk people through sharing their values on the environment and acting on them for intrinsic reasons. Mm. And they like it. Yeah, so, yeah. that's leading one person. I found that that works to lead many. There's the podcasts, which is to reach increasingly influential people, athletes, actors, business leaders, authors. So that, that engages community leaders that people at leverage points of community is how to reach more than one person at a time. And then also with my private consulting to businesses and politicians, to people who might not want to go be on a public podcast, Mm. it's, to influence their organizations. And I believe that while I think it's absolutely necessary, say 350.org to say Exxon, if Exxon has lied, Mm -hmm. profited from it and broke the law in doing it, I believe that's what the justice system is for. Mm -hmm. Now, if we simply take an, if we only have an adversarial relationship with them, I -hmm. think that they will circle the wagons and protect themselves and keep doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I also believe that, and I could be wrong about this, but I believe that if I have time one-on-one with the CEO of Exxon or some other polluting company, Starbucks or you know, Dow or McDonald's yeah. or whatever, that that person will be amenable to, that person also has this part of humanity that loves nature. I believe that I will one day reach that person and talk to yeah. this whole group of people and they will want to change from the inside. And I think that combined with the opposition from the outside is more effective than without what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting thing. I mean, I, I, there's a couple of things that I'm thinking of here. You know, I don't know if you saw recently someone, <clears throat> there was a high profile resignation from Shell. It yes. was a, you know, really quite a significant person said, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling out of here. This is, you know, you guys, because you said something about circling the wagons. The fossil fuel companies have already circled the wagons. They did that in the 1980s. They realized they were on to, you know, they needed to kind of, they didn't circle them um, as uh, explicitly as that, but they started basically doing their greenwashing and lobbying and influencing because they knew they were on a losing ticket, basically. They knew that their, their products were killing the planet. And so I think that's the slightly difference there is that I, it depends, yeah, at the top of these organizations there are people who are making decisions and everyone else within that organization is more or less has to live with them or they have to leave there are some people there must be some people because it, you know there has to be some responsibility somewhere that are knowing the consequences of what they're doing and dis- and they're leading us down this horrendous path and they're doing all they can to keep that going i choose i think as you're saying to believe that they are human and they are in their humanity, but actually, what they're doing is very inhumane. It's it's so you know it's sociopathic. I don't even know if that's the right word to use, you know. But and and so I am hoping that yes, we can reach people, and that more and more people in these organisations will go. Actually, now we this isn't right. But also, I think that they they do more or less, and I'm not saying have to be forced, but we have to put pressure on them 
you know, and that's where the, you know, the activists come in and the, uh, you know, Extinction Rebellion, the 350, whatever, all those different groups, you know, I'm not going to just name them, there's hundreds, and they're all got different, slightly different methods. So that's what I'm worried about is that some people in these companies, they know they've got all the information at their fingertips, yet they still carry on. But I do also very much agree with you, and we were talking about this just before, that, you know, there seems to be quite a lot of research out there, which I'm learning about more and more, that suggests we can all live very well on this planet for far less impact and actually live good lives that are nothing like living in a cave in your underpants, eating lichens or whatever, you know, we can actually live. So, so as um, there's this information, I'm, I am going to paraphrase here and at risk. And it was, it's Jason Hickel and he's done research that suggests, you know, we can live within our, you know, to meet everyone's needs to live comfortably and decently for there's enough, there's enough resources and enough energy on this planet to be doing that for 10 billion people. To me, that's a real great vision of the world. And I guess if we could get people to realize that, and maybe the people who are in these ivory towers, wherever they are in their offices, deciding to carry on with their industries when they know that they're killing us and they're killing thousands of people every day, millions of people. And we'll add to their death toll by many, many, many if we continue somehow they've got to change and i'm not sure they're going to change without basically our governments doing their job and forcing them to or their social license to operate you know people just say actually no more we're not doing this that's a massive thing to do so it would be also very nice if people in those companies perhaps it is people like you were to be like get through to them and say actually we're going to we're going to do the right thing we're not just going to pretend we're actually going to massively rapidly scale down our fossil fuel business and we're going to really invest in renewables let's say and or whatever it is but i'm not even sure if that's even sensible in the kind of paradigm that we're in of economic growth and all of those things so i haven't thought about it. it's very thought-provoking what you're saying indeed irrelevant to what you were saying is it's important for me not just to know that people can live with much less impact ideally sustainably i, I believe ultimately Every single person has to live sustainably. It, it doesn't work to say, I'm going to live less sustainably, but I'll pay someone else to live extra sustainably. There is no extra sustainably. I mean, you can say regenerative, but ultimately, practically speaking, with rare exception, every single human being has to live sustainably or we're not going to be sustainable. Mm, and, yeah. and what I endeavor, I, I share the numbers of my last electric bill was 62 cents plus the, uh, the line charges. This is because I started my, my month in the middle of a cycle. And if I now I have to go for six weeks because I want to get a full month, one bill that says zero or one penny or whatever it's going to be. That's what I share. But what I can't communicate as well, and I have to learn to communicate as well, is the fun, the joy, the discovery, the, the playfulness of it. Yeah. That That's what the facts don't convey. And that's what, one of the things that I, I want to get across is like, not just that we can do it with 10 billion. I'm already there and having a great time. Come aboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, no, I think that's really important, isn't it? Because a lot of people do that, and that, that is a, a triumph of the of the you know delayist denialist agenda. Is I've basically convinced people that it's you know not possible to live sustainably unless you're living in a cave. We I hear that all the time, and you hear this implicitly about people going back to the dark ages or the stone age or whatever it is. And it's the maths is not true. It just we just cannot all live at this incredibly affluent amazing way that some people live and most people seem to aspire to but in fact in so doing they ruin their lives they ruin their futures they ruin the future of their kids 
and at the same time actually their their needs their human needs that they need you know the needs to be loved respected cared for looked after their needs for exactly as you say joy and discovery and creativity lots of those things don't get met in the in the you know in the way that we're living right now and i think showing like exactly as you do yeah there's lots of joy out there and there's lots of nice things it but it doesn't have to be done in this completely toxic way and i think that is very persuasive because i think people do fear fear that when they are they're confronted with a choice they often think oh that's too scary i don't really want to look at that question because my my guess is i'm not going to like the answer and the answer here is you know yeah, the question is, we're, we're living unsustainably. A lot of people think the answer is we've got to go backwards into the dark ages, and it's not true. But I don't want to really check that out, just in case. So in terms mm-hmm. of leading others, this is, this is my forefront right now, is to learn those beliefs, identify them, learn where they're coming from. Because as long, the analogy I often say, think of is uh, if someone's over fat and they want to lose their fat, but they believe that the body has a set point and that no matter what you do, it will always return to that set point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very difficult for that person to, they will do what it takes to get back to that set point, whether consciously or not, whether they address it or not, it, that belief will drive a lot of their behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If someone believes that, look, we may have pollution today, but when we were serfs, we were living in the mud and 30 was old age and we do not want to return to that. And if, if that belief is in there, no mm-hmm. amount of facts no, change that. So my one of the a vision, a story, isn't it? We need stories yeah. are one thing that's essential. If yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm coaching this one woman to how to coach, and someone said like I don't want to do this stuff because I don't have time for it. And she told a story of one of of someone that I had worked with, who was saying that, and saying that, and saying that, and came up with something that didn't take any time whatsoever. Mm. And he absolutely he says on the podcast, oh, this isn't going to take me any extra time at all. In fact, it'll save me some time. So that story helped there. Mm. Another big thing, and at the core of the Spodic method that I use is if someone has a belief and based on that belief, they predict a certain outcome. Mm. And then I walk them through an experience and the outcome is different than their belief predicted. Yes. Then their actual experience belies their belief. And yeah, that's yeah. what I try to walk people into. Yeah. If they think it's going to be horror show and they get fun, then yeah. they can either stick with that belief and deny that they're having fun yeah. or they can have fun yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe start questioning that belief. And that's, that's my game. Is- mm, yeah. And that's what I think is what we are also, you know, again, I relate to this very much and I applaud you for it. You know, so Extinction Rebellion, we have this thing about a regenerative culture, which is a whole new cultural way of living in the world, which would have all these lots of these things in. And when an, an XR at its best, when people come to one of our actions or join in with Extinction Rebellion, they feel something that they've not felt before that is different. And they think mm, this actually is good. This is good, a nice thing. We could do more of this. And I think that is, you know, experiential learning, you know, is really powerful. And it sounds like that what you're doing. And I do think we need to tackle head on because so many times the criticism, the way of shutting it down and that fear is that we're going to go backwards when in fact we're going to go forwards into a better way. It's just going to yeah. be very different than what we have now. When I see Trump supporters and they're like, we just keep on winning. I'm like, that's a pretty effective thing to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm having fun. I, like my challenge is to like have spread fun, non-polluting fun, which is like sports and playing music and singing and mm-hmm. dancing and things like that. Like the more that I try to live sustainably, the more that I find I do things that are more athletic. I do things that are more singing and, and, and cultural. Yeah, it's all nourishing. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, that's the, that's what pollution gets replaced with. And the more I look at it, that's why people are numbing themselves with alcohol and sugar, fat, heroin. Consuming. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that we have to wrap up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if you can think of something, mate, if you think your your listeners are happy to listen to me and you chatting, I'm thinking, you know, it's really interesting chatting about these things. I do enjoy it and I'm happy to speak to you some more because it is thought provoking and interesting for sure. All right. So let's talk again next week. And uh, anything to close up with on this one? I just want to say it's a pleasure. And I, I hope that people are finding this interesting because we are working hard and we're it's very important. So thank you for listening. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to echo that because I didn't really know much about, I, I knew a little bit of Extinction Rebellion, but it's mostly what I'd read about, but not from the inside. It's always from the outside. So now I've learned a lot more. Well, thank you again. Thank you.